with me to Matthew 22 again. The last time I spoke, we ministered on the wedding, the wedding feast. The Lord stuck me on the fact of the man without a wedding garment. And so uh, I was looking at this and praying about it and had my notes ready and so forth. And then at 5 o'clock this morning, the Lord woke me up and added another line. So got to blame him for all this. Anyway, starting at uh, Matthew 22, starting at verse 10. So those servants went out into the highway and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I'm glad we don't have to be pre-qualified for the Lord to take hold of us. He takes us as he finds us. With all of our bumps and warts and all that, you know, the um, inabilities and all those things that are um, that would disqualify us for or at least we would think would disqualify us he doesn't look at us at, as who we are he looks as a, at us as who he will make us he lo- he's always looking at us as the end product of his grace we're singing all about that today. That he lays hold of us. He laid hold, he brought in the good and the bad. Thank you, Lord. And brought him to the feast for his son. The king was, was bringing in for a feast for his son. Hmm. Foreshadowing the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. So you've got to remember, in the book of Matthew, the theme or the, the point of the book of Matthew is, Behold your king. It's written to the Jews, with Jewish perspective on everything. He says, Behold your king. So in much of the book of Matthew, you find him represented as a kingly ruler. Thank you, Lord God. Verse 11, out of the New Literal Translation, it says, And the king, having come into view to behold, the uh, Greek says, or look upon, uh, to uh, contemplate those reclining. In those days, they didn't sit at a table. They reclined. at a, There was a lounge-type chair. They reclined. Uh, he saw, he saw them, he perceived with his eyes, there a man not clothed with, with clothing of the marriage feast. Now, last time I'm a minister, we talked about the fact that um, the custom was that the king or the rich man would provide clothing for all the wedding guests. So all of it, all they would come in this finery that the king provided. Hmm. The, rise, 
the robes of righteousness are what God provides us as his guest at the wedding. Hallelujah. There was a man not clothed with a wedding garment at the marriage feast. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not, not having on a wedding garment? And he was speechless. His mouth was closed. He, uh, he was speechless. He could not speak. Now, uh, Vincent's New Testament word studies says there's two different words used for not in this passage. One of them, in fact, is, um, well, I'll just read it. The man had not a wedding garment. When the king addresses the guests, he's thinking not so much of, of, of outward token of disrespect, because it was disrespectful not to put on the garment that the king provided. Hmm. Blessed Jesus. As the guest, uh, mental attitude, but, uh, excuse me, token of disrespect, as of the guest's mental attitude toward the proprieties of the, of the occasion, of the auspices of, of the occasion. It is as if he had said, what were you thinking of when you, uh, of your respect for me and for my guest, when you allowed yourself to come hither, not a different word, having on the proper garment, as you know you ought? That second knot implies that the man was conscious of the omission when he entered, and he intentionally guiltily of the neglect, intentionally guilty of the of neglect, to be denied as a matter of thought. The second knot means that he thought about it and said, I'm not going to do that. It wasn't just an omission, just a slip, say, oh, he thoughtfully said, I'm not going to clothe myself with the garments that the king provides. My God. Help us, Lord. In Zechariah chapter 3, starting at verse 1, he showed Joshua the high priest, saying before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him, to be an adversary to him. There's also a picture of that in Revelation chapter 12 when the accuser of the brethren is cast down because he accused the brethren, the saints, day and night. But he has been cast down. If you can hear this, he no longer has the Lord's ear. Well, he's been cast down. Blessed be his name. Let's continue reading here. Verse 2. For the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has been chosen, that has chosen Israel, rebuke thee. Is it not this a brand plucked out of the fire? 
Uh, that word brand, when we have, have our fire pits here, we have sticks we use to stir them up. On occasion, when the stick is burnt out at the end, it's a, a stick that will not uh, catch fire anymore. It is useless as a torch. It's a torch that won't light. So that's what he's talking about. That Jerusalem is a, a brand. It's a, a thing that will not catch fire of itself. Even put in the fire, it will not catch. That's a great indictment in raw reality. And Lord, help us that we don't get to a point where we can't catch fire of the Holy Spirit. That we can, by our thoughts, by our refusal to clothe ourselves with His righteousness, come to the point where we will consciously not do it. God help us. I don't want to get anywhere near that. I don't know about you. I know this is not a hooray, hallelujah message, but he has a solution. Blessed be his name. Let's continue to read here. Now Joseph was clothed with, or Joshua, excuse me, was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Oh, bless God. And unto him give, he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from off thee, and I have clothed thee with a change or a, uh, a costly garment, uh, a change of raiment, a costly garment. He's taken our sins and given us our filthy rags and given us a, a, a garment of righteousness. Blessed be his holy name. Verse 5. Said, then he said, unto, unto, uh, I said, let him, not be, let, let him be clean, put on a clean turban, which is the hat that the priest wore. Sister Drea was talking that, about that this morning. We are to be kings and priests unto God. That was the Lord's desire for all of Israel, that they be kings and priests. Because he's, he's putting on him a priestly robe and a priestly turban, the crown that the priest wore, signifying. And on that crown, there was a gold plate engraved that says, Holiness unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody getting a picture here of what he desires us to be? Blessed Jesus. So he put upon him a clean turban upon his head and clothed him with a garment, and the messenger of Yahweh was standing up. Just keep your finger here and turn, if you will, to Isaiah 
chapter 6. There's something similar happening here. Starting at verse 1, it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's the word Adonai, which is the, the plural of the Almighty God. Sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above him stood a seraphim, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all heaven's armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the, of the doors, uh, door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I have such a desire that the Lord would move in this house to such an extent that we wouldn't be able to stand before him. Even the posts and the pillars of the, of the house would be moved by his presence. Blessed be his name. Grant it, Father. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am dumb, I cannot speak. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For thine eyes have seen, for mine eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Then one flew of the seraphim unto me, having a coal, a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Say so any even when we willfully turn away, we can also willfully turn again. Amen? And the thing is that he will purge us, even of the things we have said. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Blessed Jesus. Let's continue here. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He's looking for servants that will go out and be sent by him. Because when you're sent by him, his anointing, his purposing, his enablement, his grace goes with you. Lydell was really nervous about teaching the, the girls. And I was confident in the Christ in her that she would do well. I was amazed how the girls flocked to her. Even the young boys flocked to her. 
It was like that she'd been there forever. And that was just in the few days that I was there. So the Lord prepared the way for her and opened up the necessity that she needed to minister unto them. And like I said before, for the most part, things they had never heard and done from a scriptural basis. Blessed be his name. Also, if you would, flip to Isaiah 61. Just in verse 10. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, my Elohim. For he hath clothed me with a garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decked out himself with ornaments, and a bride adorned herself with her jewels. He's done that. It's not our righteousness. He has clothed us with righteousness. It's not something that, well, I think I'm going to put, you know, my, okay, here's my robe of righteousness. That's where you get it, by the way, on the cross. He died. He took his, our sins and shed his blood that we would no longer have to be accountable for him. And the righteous robe that I can put on came from the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's the term. It's, it's to slip into, to put it on. And it's already bought and paid for. He paid the price. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Zechariah here and finish up reading there. Um, verse 6 and 7. And the angel of the Lord protested. He uh, he solemnly affirmed or testified unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, if you will keep my charge, keep my purpose, thou, uh, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shall also keep my courts, and I will give thee a place to walk among these that stand by, or the companion Bible says, to stand in my presence. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name, that we might stand in his presence. Blessed Jesus. Go back to the notes there in Malachi 1, verse 8, where he was upbraiding Israel because they were saying, well, what have we done that's so bad? We offer you things, and what have, what have we done that's so bad? And the Lord answers them. Out of the Amplifies, it says, When you priests offer blind animals for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the, the lame and the sick, is it not evil? 
Remember, what were they to offer? Perfect specimens. Perfect specimens. Let's continue. Present such a thing, a blind, lame, and sick animal, unto your governor in payment for your taxes and see what happens. My tax guy just came by yesterday and Glidell and I are getting a refund. Hallelujah! <laughs> Blessed be his name. And see what happens. Present it to him as paying for your tax and see what happens. Will he be pleased with you? Or will he receive it graciously, says the Lord of hosts? Don't offer the Lord that which you wouldn't offer to a governor, your boss, your best friend. He deserves and demands our best you have and not your leftovers. Don't give the world your best time, your talent, talents and treasures and neglect the things of the Lord. See, the world wants to do everything, wants to sap every bit of strength out of you so there's nothing left for you to give to the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, and they demand your best. And you honor them and give them your best, or should, as a witness of Christ. But don't give them better than what you give him. Can you understand what I'm saying? We're to give our best to the Lord. Don't do something, I'm, no, I'm just meddling now, but don't do something Saturday night that tires you out so much so you come into church going, bless you, God. It's all right to laugh. It's better than crying about it. But the reality is we've been backwards. We've given more to the world, better things to the world, than we have to God. And it says in these uh, verses, God's not happy with it. Well, bless the Lord. We want to give him our best. Jesus, we love you, my God. So the man came without the wedding garment, without, and in that second knot that he thoughtfully considered it and said it wasn't worth his time and his effort to dress properly for the king's wedding for his son. But the reality is this. The Lord provides us the garments. The king provided the garments. But it's our decision whether we put those garments on or not. Well, or to the extent we put them on. In Romans 13, 14, it says, 
but put you on in duo. Sink into the clothing like a like, like, uh, suit coat on. Clothe yourself. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. See, you can't walk in righteousness and lust at the same time. Well, amen, Brother John. Thank you. God hates the mixture. In Revelation, it says, I'd rather you be cold or hot to the church, Laodicea, because you're lukewarm. You're half-hearted. You're half in the church, half serving the Lord, and half serving mammon. Yeah, I know. We have to, to work to provide for our families and so forth. I understand that. Been there, done that. Okay? But that should not be your first thrust. Continue. Galatians 3.27. And I touched on these last time. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The same word in duo. Same Greek word. Ephesians 4.24. And you that, that have put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. What are our garments? They are righteousness and holiness. They are not, even when they get spotted by the world, we have a dry cleaner here. It comes and removes all the spots. Lord, I've fallen short of you this week. Come and cleanse me afresh. And the precious blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all what? Unrighteousness, all sin. Don't carry those things around. You're not supposed to. We have a solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. Revelation 19.7 says out of the Phillips translation, Let us rejoice and let us be glad with all of our hearts. Let us give him glory. For the wedding day of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. She has made herself ready. She may be seen dressed in linen gleaming and spotless. For such linen is the righteousness and righteous living of the saints. Righteous living. Not cleaning up our acts so we come to church, but righteous living all week long. Well, verse 13. The king said unto his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Weymouth translation says, The man stood speechless. Then the king said unto his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and fling him from 
uh, fling him into darkness outside, where there is weeping aloud and gnashing of teeth. Philip's translation says, where there will be tears and bitter regret. Verse 14. Well, let me... I'll explain. Uh, we're going to touch on this one again, and I'll explain some of the stuff, some of the blanks, I hope. For many are called, Kletos, invited, but few are chosen, picked out, invited, or elect. Even as Ephesians 1, 4 says, even as... In his love, he chose us, actually picked us, us out for himself as his own. The sports companies, the football and the baseball and basketball and so forth, have their draft where they pick out the best players. And they say, we'll take that one. Well... The Lord Jesus comes and says, I'll take this one, even though he's a little scrubby and doesn't know his left hand from his right. I will take him because I know what I'll make of him. Can you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to make him a witness for myself and the anointing that's on your violin as you play it will touch people's hearts they will draw you will draw them through the, the playing of that anointed violin so they will raise them up into a new level of adoration and praise because of the sweetness of the sound bless you Lord God None of us look like anything when God first saw us. But he saw the potential, what he could make out of us. And he chose us. Even before we arrived. That, I, don't, I don't know how that works. Don't ask me to explain that. That's a God thing. I'm just going to leave it to him. There's some things, when man tries to explain a God thing, they get it all messed up. I'm just taking his word for it. All right? Is that fair enough? There's some things I just leave it to God to do. I'll just take him at his word. And I like to figure out everything that's saying, but there's some things that goes past my pay grade. Understand what I'm saying? I just take it him at his word. Blessed be his name. He picked us out as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. I have a question for us all, for myself, and I'll let you listen. 
Lord, you've picked me out. But I have I walked holy and consecrated before you. Am I blameless in your sight? Even above reproach before him, before you, Lord, in love. I'd like you to ask yourself that question for all of us. Lord, are we walking holy and righteous and consecrated before you, blameless in your sight? That doesn't mean we can't we won't blow it from time to time. But I like I love what John said. If we confess our sin, he knew we would have times when we would blow it. If we confess our sin, he's righteous and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm not a linguistic person, but when it says all, I think it really means all. I don't think there's any other definition of all. All unrighteousness. So don't let the enemy tell you you've done too much. All is all. All unrighteousness is all unrighteousness. And his blood not just covers, but removes. Removes. Big difference from the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We no longer have to have it covered every year. It's a once and for all death, burial, and resurrection. He paid the price, so we don't have to. And not only did he pay the price, but he said, I want you to share in my righteousness, my holiness, and my consecration before God. And I'll give you the ability to do it. Let's stand, please. Holy God, we thank you that even though we started afar off, you drew us to yourself. As we sang today, what love is this? In all our shamefulness, in all of our unrighteousness, you drew us to yourself. You did for us that things, the thing that we could not do is rid us of our sin. And Lord, we ask now, my God, you just come and speak to our hearts. Lord, in areas where even now we'd ask you to come and speak to our hearts in areas where we need to grow closer to you. But we need to clothe that area with righteousness and consecration unto you. Come, O Holy Spirit, convict and convince and draw us to yourself. And Lord, we didn't rebuke the liar that says it can't be done, that you can't change. Satan, the Lord, rebuke you.
we cast down the accuser of the brethren and remove it from the very beings. Lord, we don't want anything to separate us from your love. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. Seal this word to our hearts, my God. Make it effectual, my God. In the holy and matchless name of Jesus Christ, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Lord bless you. See you Wednesday night. Yeah.